before we begin this episode, I wanted to let you know that the summer session of the Ford Mentor Program is now open for signups. This 10-week program is entirely virtual, and you are paired with a hand-selected mentor who will walk alongside you as you navigate your professional, personal, and spiritual goals. The deadline to sign up is Friday, May 8th, so make sure you go to our website ASAP. Just visit forwardwomen.org. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org slash mentor program. We hope you join us this summer. Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. Have you ever felt inadequate? Have you ever questioned the true value you bring to the world every day? Have you ever found yourself avoiding risky situations or big next steps because the fear of failing was greater than the hope of succeeding? There are so many lies swirling around out there that we are all guilty of believing. We honestly can't assign a number to them. And these lies come to us from so many different sources. Curling up into a ball and hiding for the rest of your life, while that may sound like a good idea, is not exactly a feasible solution to dealing with these crippling, limiting beliefs. So what can we do to fight back against these lies? The world and even our brains are whispering into our ears each day. Joining me today to walk through this topic is Susan Tolls. Susan is on the forward team with me, um, and she is the director of local groups, overseeing the development and growth of new and existing forward communities around the globe. She also leads the Forward Austin local group. And prior to joining Forward, Susan actually developed a website for women over 50, flourishover50.com, and was a Christian life purpose coach. Her passion for inspiring and equipping women to discover and live out God's purpose for their lives led her to create a nonprofit, the Flourishing Life International Ministries, with a mission to awaken hope and significance in women who have been wounded by abuse, addiction, exploitation, and poverty. Susan has personally dealt with many of the lies that we're going to talk about today, and her hope is that many of you listening will be able to work through them like she has been able to. So Susan, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Hello, Jordan. It's a pleasure to be here. You were really interested in talking on this topic Mm -hmm. of lies we believe because you actually, like we mentioned, founded a whole organization around helping women who might be in a situation where these lies are rampant. So let's talk about that journey for a minute. How did you get led to found that organization? Mm, well, you're right. When I saw this topic, I said, pick me, pick me. Because <laughs> she did. <laughs> that, um, I really, from my own personal experience as much as anything, and then from using that experience and what God has given me to help other women, I've seen the change that it, it that can happen, um, you know, when we face these lies and deal with them and overcome with them. And I'm just going to rewind about 12 years ago where, where, uh, where this story is going to start. Um, I, my youngest uh, my son, my youngest, had just gone off to college, and I was new to the empty nest and truly gripped by fear. I had no idea who I was, mm-hmm. what I was going to do, and I thought I was a nobody. Mm-hmm. I had been at home for 24 years raising my kids, um, even though I had been very active in the community. Um, I had been on a school board for nine years. I had been president for four, managing an $80 million budget, wow. and I failed to see the value in that. Um, you know, I, I still thought I had nothing to offer. I was so afraid that Um, You know, I started looking for resources on the Internet, and this was in 2008. And back then, um, baby boomers, uh, women my age over 50, were were looked at as being over the hill. It was too late for us. And I was looking for resources for encouragement and ways to step out, and I couldn't find anything. And I thought, well, okay, it can't be that hard. Why don't I just make my own 
website up and, um, you know, had no idea where that was leading me. Um, but I had this great idea and happened to connect with a marketing coach. And he said, that is a great idea. Let's take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. So we worked very hard for about a year. And in February of 2010, 10 years ago, I launched flourishover50.com and it took off. Um, I spent the first year working like crazy on it. Um, We had literally um, women from all over the world. I had at its peak seven people writing for me. Mm. My daughter was working for me, managing the editorial calendar. It was huge. And I worked so hard that first year and long hours. And I mean, my husband would get home in the evening and we would have dinner. And then I would sit in my chair in the living room with my computer in my lap, uh, you know, working some more. Mm. And at the end of that year, I thought, what am I doing? I don't even know why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I am telling people, telling these women how to find a great pair of jeans or how to cut their hair. (laughs) Uh, It was a lifestyle website. So we were doing food, fitness, fashion, travel, all these great things. And it became very superficial to me Mm. because I had connected with women who were in the same place that I had been in that place of fear, you know, wondering, um, you know, what they could do with their lives and feeling insignificant. Mm -hmm. So I took a step, um, another step forward and decided to get into coaching. Um, You know, really not to be a coach, but to be able to relate to women on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And the more I did that and realized, you know, connecting one-to-one in the heart uh, was much more powerful than reaching women by the masses. And so I gradually let the website go and, and took more of an active role in coaching. I um, About four years ago, I felt God stirring in my heart again, really telling me that it's time to use what He has given me for something more. And he had poured into me through those years, um, all the materials that I had used for coaching. And I knew that he wanted me to use it for something even deeper. So I spoke with a missions pastor at my church and um, he led me to a couple of ministries that uh, we support. And that led to my first trip to Uganda in 2017 and then to Asia in 2018 and back to Uganda last year. Um, So along the way, I I published my book, Created to Flourish by God's Design, and I've used that in women's conferences in Uganda and working with women both in Asia, Uganda, and here at home um, who have, you know, experienced either sexual exploitation or poverty, really feeling, you know, so low in their lives to lift them up too and help them feel worthy and valuable and see that it doesn't matter who they are, where they live, you know, what, what their circumstances are, that God has a plan for them and that they are truly valuable. And, uh, you know, working with these women, uh, you know, the ones that have been abused and marginalized has been really life-changing for me. So that's, um, you know, I've seen the transformation and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, that you've gone overseas because I think it would be interesting to hear, you know, do you, I'm working with women in the U.S. compared to then you go and speak mm. to these women overseas, is it, are there common things that we all deal oh, with? Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I, I it's, it's, 
when when I first sat down with my friend who um, goes to Uganda regularly, and she said, "I want you to come to a women's conference and you know use this material." And I said, "Which part of it?" She said, "All of it." Mm-hmm. I said, "Really? These women need all this?" And she said, "Absolutely." Um, you know, we all deal with the same thing in inside. Um, you know, it, it looks a little different depending on our culture and our circumstances. But, uh, you know, the number one thing I see women dealing with, no matter where we live, is fear. Mm. Um, It's fear of the unknown, fear of failure, uh, fear of hurting someone's feelings, and sometimes it's even fear of success. Mm. And use this as, you know, the a picture of a journey and, you know, fear can keep you stuck in a rut, like you're off the road in a ditch and you're spinning your wheels instead of moving forward. And we fail to see that God has already equipped us for what he has for us to do. And, you know, we, we get afraid. And mm-hmm. so, you know, given us what we need. And if we can just connect with that and see the value that he's given us that make us unique, then, um, you know, we can step out with greater confidence. And the, you know, one thing to, to note is that, you know, we, we have a fear of so many things and about 99% of them never happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of time, um, you know, spinning our wheels in fear, the what ifs, um, you know, rather than stepping out in confidence toward what God has us to do. So yeah. fear is, is huge among yeah. women. Yeah. No matter where we are. Mm. Well, and so you kind of touched on the, the life's journey portion of it, but mm-hmm. you know, how, how do we start focusing in on the impact that those negative beliefs have on that journey? I mean, I know you touched mm. on it a little bit with fear, but you know, mm-hmm. where, where do you even start? <laughs> well, so I, again, I like to use that picture of, you know, a journey with God and to say that, you know, God has this amazing place planned for us. And it's at the top of this beautiful mountain, this vista, and the view is, is breathtaking up there. And he has planned this journey for us and given us this little backpack of just exactly what we need to take on our journey. Along the way, we start picking things up. Um, we pick up the rock of fear, uh, this nice big rock who's, you know, it's, it's like, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Mm. And rather than kicking that rock over to the side off the path, we put it in the backpack with us. And then we go a little bit further and we pick up the rock of perfectionism. We think I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Um, you know, I might disappoint someone. Um, you know, what, what if the world looks down on me for what I'm doing? Uh, you know, the, um, one of my favorite books is The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And she said that perfectionism is like the 20 ton shield that we carry around thinking it will protect us from being hurt. Mm. And what it really does is protect us from being authentically known. And that can lead to depression and anxiety. Mm. So we pick up this rock of perfectionism when we put it in our backpack and we go a little further and we pick up the rock of doubt. And that is the lack of self-confidence. And that is fed by our fear and perfectionism. And again, we feel like we don't have what it takes to be, pursue a dream. And we think, how can I possibly measure up? So we're picking up all these rocks along the way rather than throwing them off. And, you know, that is weighing us down. And then the final rock that I think we deal with so much is shame. Um, it really keeps us in darkness. And it's this experience of feeling like we're flawed and unworthy because of something that has happened in our past. Mm. Uh, we may have addiction or abuse or mental illness, um, you know, failed business. 
and we keep these stories buried and they fester and, um, you know, they suffocate our brilliance and we hold them back. And so, mm. you know, we, we carry all these rocks and we pick these things up and little things that people say to us or maybe have said to us in the past, we remember. And finally, that backpack gets so heavy with all these negative beliefs that we can't even go another step. And so we miss out on that beautiful vista that God has planned for us about a third of the way up because we can't go another, far, you know, another step. Uh, we just weigh ourselves down, allowing these things to take over rather than, um, you know, breaking free and throwing those rocks and saying, you know, enough, I, you know, this is not who I am. I, I get rid of these things and believe in what God has you know, created me to do. So where do you believe that all of these lies originate from? Mm. I think they, uh, a lot of it really originates from our family of origin. Um, you know, it's, mm. it's the things that happened to us throughout our lives, how we were raised, what kind of culture we had around us, uh, the parenting, uh, the friends, the, you know, the friends we had when we were young. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of, uh, some of us may even have mental illness in our family history. And so that can play a part in that. And uh, that's even a, you know, a battle that we have to actively, uh, you know, wage war against. Um, you know, we, you may have even had a teacher when you were young who criticized the way you read or the way you wrote and told you that, you know, your dream, the dream that you had of what you wanted to be when you grew up was really out of reach and you needed to settle mm -hmm. for something else. Um, you know, that happens. Uh, you may have had a, you know, a mean aunt who said you were fat <laughs> or, you know, a friend who made a snippy remark and made you feel small. Uh, you know, kids can be very mean and especially Mm -hmm. teenagers can be very mean now. Teenage oh, yeah. girls, you know, can be mean. Um, you may have tried out for a sport and failed miserably or tried to be on a team and were rejected. You know, you may have been the last one who was always chosen, you know, for the team. Yeah. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that the failures that, you know, we internalize. Um, mm. And we think, you know, um, you know, we, we, we are rejected. We focus on those things and they become who we believe we are. And, you know, just think about when you go to maybe go to an event and you have something, you know, you've tried to look your best. You have this great new dress. Ninety nine people say you look stunning. And one mm -hmm. person says, I don't know about that dress. You know, it it really is not very flattering on you. Then that's the one thing we focus on. And yeah. we can't mm -hmm. let that one thing go. We don't think about the ninety nine. We think about the one critical comment. So it's the criticisms, the rejections and the failures that we fixate on and we can't, you know, can't let go of those things. It's those rocks that we, um, you know, that we always carry around. And then you bring in social media <laughs> of today <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, that's a yeah. whole nother world. And, you know, you've got um, what I call out there the Christmas card version of people's lives. Oh, yeah. That, mm -hmm. you know, people per put that beautiful picture of their family and great things that are going on. And, um, you know, you compare yourselves to those people. And then yeah. there are these constant images that are playing out on television and, you know, even, you know, even social media that tell us we're not good enough. So we need their product. You know, we've got to have this, this particular thing that they have to make us more successful or to make us mm -hmm. more beautiful. And so the world is constantly telling us that we're less than, and yeah. we begin believing it. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. So back in March, um, we had Sandy Mitchell on the podcast mm -hmm. and she talked about 
more conflict resolution, but one of the main things that she really talked about was that inner committee that we all have. And I feel like a lot of what you just touched on, she touched on as well. So if you always want to go back and listen to that, um, that uh, I loved that one, but you know, yeah, it was, it's very much you're conditioned and you yeah. know, your inner committee, you, you're controlled by it, you know, whether you like it or not. And so however you've allowed it to be influenced, um, mm-hmm. that's how you're then going to now be influenced. And that's right. So yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, that. I just think the world is, and even, I mean, it's just more so now than even, you know, I mean, I grew up a really long time ago, but even back then, you know, it was, there were mean girls, um, you know, yeah, and, and I yeah. can remember, um, I was not an athletic person at all. And I was always the last person to get chosen for the team, Aww. you know, because I just wasn't athletic. I had these right. other great qualities, but I always thought, felt, felt inadequate around some of those mm-hmm. um, friends that I had. And, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, I had, fortunately I had some teachers who saw, uh, better things in me and helped me Mm. help guide me, you know, through, um, (laughs) get me to the right place, uh, you know, to Mm. show me that, you know, the, the, my love of studying and math and details and, you know, that I had other strengths that I Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, that didn't make me less than. Yeah. And they're That's serving you well today. Find those, yeah. <laughs> find those people in your life who are encouraging, um, yeah. you know, and who aren't going to uh, bring you down and, um, you know, and then embrace those, those one, those, those tiny little moments when you get those compliments, write them yeah. down, remember them, you know, it's really mm, important. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, and I feel like a lot of, a lot of the time when we are dealing with these, these lies and these limiting beliefs, what we're really kind of coming up against is this struggle to find our value. Uh-huh. Um, you know, which I think anybody, guy or girl, <laughs> could probably uh-huh. relate to at some point in their life. Yeah. So how how do you find and and not only find but believe in your value in a world that, like you said, is constantly telling you that you're not enough? I think for for me and what you know what I've shared with clients along the way is that this is a battle that we can only win through a deeper relationship with God and really diving into what he wants for us and not what the world tells us we should be doing or saying or, you know, looking Mm -hmm. like. And uh, first Peter one in the message says that everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received is from God. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to the participation in the life God has given you after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So, uh, you know, that just shows to me that, you know, believing in God and trusting to his plan is going to give us this terrific, beautiful life. But first, we have to acknowledge that we were created to please him and not the world and that the world is corrupted by lust. And so if we embrace that plan, then um, he has you know, give us everything we need and we don't have to be thinner or smarter or more successful. We don't have to have a nicer house or a higher title. Uh, those things don't make us uh, make him love us more. What he truly mm-hmm. wants is for us to have that 
personal and intimate relationship with him. And the more we dive into that and connect with him and, um, you know, believe the things that he's telling us, then the more confident we are in who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, The verse that I used with women um, globally in Uganda and in Asia was from Psalm 139, 14. And it said, I will give thanks to you because I have been so amazingly and miraculously made. Mm. And it's over. It was overwhelming to me when I was the first time I was in Uganda, and I had that verse translated into a choli and put on cards for the women, and that was our Bible verse for the couple of days of the conference. And <laughs> to hear women stand there, the women who are living in deep poverty with so little of materially, but to read that verse out loud and to see their faces light up, and especially by the second day to believe what they had been reading, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was just, it was just so overwhelming to me, um, you know, just to be part of that, to see that, you know, they, they have so little, but they truly still have been amazingly and miraculously made. Yeah. So they have a lot to offer the world and God has a plan for them too. Yeah. Yeah. For someone who wants to identify and start moving past these limiting lies and beliefs, where do you begin? <laughs> because mm, I mean, this feels yeah. like it's just so deeply ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, even me, myself, like I, I have no clue where I would start. Huh, where do we begin? Okay. Well, let's talk first about fear. Um, the, the, First thing to do is to reflect on the times that you overcame fear and what you learned from those experiences. Fear can be a great learning tool. We're all going to fail from time to time because we're human. Mm -hmm. And so we can look back and see, you know, what happened? You know, how did I grow through that? And then think about what's the worst that can happen if your fear comes true? If you fail, how long is it going to take to recover? Will it really matter a year from now if you fail today? And will anybody else be affected? More than likely, no one else will be hurt. And that's a good thing. And so, you know, look at it as, you know, stepping out and knowing, you know, that God has a plan. And if you don't step through the fear, you may not ever pursue what he has for you. And then consider what's the best thing that can happen if you trust God to help you conquer the fear and move forward and ask yourself, am I willing to forego the best outcome of taking action because I let my fears paralyze me? So, you know, you may think that, um, you know, you don't have what it takes again, or that you're going to disappoint people or that, you know, you, you, um, you know, you may, you may not make it, you may not make it all the way, but know that God knew exactly your journey, and he knew that you were going to fail. And so he's already equipped you for the journey, and he may Mm. allow you to fail along the way. So you will learn and become stronger because we do become stronger through failure. Mm. And failure is is inevitable, and but it can be, again, a powerful force in our lives. Um, You know, we're, we're going to be useful to God no matter how many times in our lives we fail. Mm. Perfectionism is a huge one. And I think we have, again, have to dig deeper into the word and and understand that, you know, we are enough just as we are. And we don't need to be smarter or prettier or, you know, we look at other people and wish that we had their gifts and their strengths and their titles and all those things. And 
that's not what God created us to be. You know, he gave each one of us the unique gifts and skills and personality traits we needed. And he didn't, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not sitting up there now going, oh, darn, I forgot to give Susan this thing, you know, that might have <laughs> helped her along the way, you know. I mean, he right. knew what this journey would be for me. And he knew that, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, I would start this journey toward coaching and he would pour this work through me. And then, you know, here I am today getting to share it, um, you know, with former women across the United States, some mm-hmm. of the things that he's he's told me. And so I think, you know, I don't have to be perfect. And, mm-hmm. you know, we need to stop comparing ourselves to other people. Um, you know, that is uh, is hard to do in the world that we have today is the world is bombarding us with all the images and the social media and, um, you know, what we hear. But we just have to embrace who we are and know that God loves each one of us so uniquely and so passionately. And we don't have to be anything uh, else than we already are. And that is one of the great things I think about being in a forward community is that I I hear over and over from women that is, oh, wow, this is a place that I can come and I can take my mask off and just be me. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's just so refreshing to know that there's no judgment You know, people aren't going to look at you and think that you're less than, Uh, you know, we all love each other and we are in it together and we're doing life together. And so having a safe place where you can come and be real is what has been one of the most powerful advantages of being part of forward, you know, for these women. And I just hear it Mm -hmm. so many times from the women. It's just this. These are my peeps. You know, these this is my tribe. Mm -hmm. And these are the women who love me for who me who I am. Um, not for what I've accomplished in the world. You know, we're all yeah. we're all on equal playing field there, which is great. And then, you know, doubt, we just have to turn our, our negative beliefs around into positive beliefs. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, it's too late for me to, to do anything. You know, I, I, I'm over the hill, I'm over 50, and I, I can't do anything. And then I had to turn that around to say, wait a minute, it's never too late for me to do yeah. some new things. You know, I have I have what I need. I just need to summon up the courage and find the resources <laughs> to equip me to do it. But I, I can do what I need to do. And so if you, if you turn those negative beliefs around into positive beliefs, then it can be, um, you know, very empowering that way. And, you know, shame, again, is that big, that big thing that's lurking in our past. And, yeah. um, Again, Brene Brown says that um, she says that shame needs three things to grow, secrecy, silence and judgment. Hmm. And when we keep things locked up, it consumes us. And so if you have something in your past that's weighing down on you that you feel very ashamed of, find at least one person to share that with. Because when you speak that story, then it loses its power over you and you get it out. And, you know, you, you may never know until you get that out, how that can impact and minister to another woman. You know, I've seen women who have been, um, you know, who are survivors of sexual exploitation and addiction. And when they get those stories out, the women just rise up and go, me too, you know, and Mm -hmm. literally we had that me too moment, but movement, but, you know, I see women going, oh my goodness, I had no idea, you know, that, um, you know, somebody else had been through that and just use what you have done and the victory that you have over that moment and, you know, use it to minister to other women, um, you know, have the courage to share it. And it's really important. Yeah. 
So once you've put in all of this work <laughs> to not only identify all of the crippling lies that you're believing, but you know, really trying to figure out, okay, how do I get past these? Is there a way to not sabotage yourself <laughs> and maybe make yourself immune potentially permanently mm. to these lies? Or is this just something, I mean, I hate to be negative, but is this just something we're all going to deal with forever? Mm, I wish I had the magic wand to say, you know, oh, yes. Yeah, ABC and you'll be immune forever. But unfortunately, we're human and we live in a very fallen world. Mm -hmm. And as hard as we try, those little lies, like you said, that committee uh, is always going to be in our head. And so we're always going to have to guard against those things. And the world is going to get you know, meaner and nastier and, you know, the enemy is out there. Um, you know, in the book of John, we're reminded that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Mm -hmm. Jesus came so that we may have abundant life. And so know that the enemy is lurking out there and, and the closer you get to God and the more you grow into who he created you to be, the more active the enemy is going to be against you. You're, you know, he's going to be throwing things up against you. And so you're going to have to be, um, strong and courageous, you know, and and mm-hmm. to put on that armor of God, um, you know, to surround yourself with people who will hold you up um, through, you know, your mentoring or friends, um, your family members, and be, cl- you know, be close to God. I mean, He's the one that ultimately will lift you up, but it is a constant battle. And, uh, you know, just really, uh, we're going to have to be aware uh, every day that it's, um, you know, first start your day, even if it's five minutes, you know, asking God to give you courage and wisdom throughout the day and to, um, you know, give you the words to say and, you know, let you be his light in the marketplace where you are rather than being, you know, diminished and have your light um, snuffed out by all these lies that you're believing. Uh, so I know that you've touched on this a few times now um, throughout this whole podcast, but I would love to know what have you done in your life when you've come against limiting beliefs? Well, I wish I could say I had a, you know, I, I did this well early when I was a young adult, but I didn't, <laughs> you know, and I think I it's mean, have any that, of us yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really evolved if I've, as I've gotten older and, um, you know, I, I used to spend a lot of time trying to be perfect and to, um, you know, be part of, you know, what the world said I needed to be doing. And mm-hmm. I've, I've come to realize, um, and, you know, a little, a lot of it again is from growing older. And a lot of it is because I've really, you know, been diving into the word more is that all I have to do is to do my very best. I don't mm-hmm. have to be perfect because I'll never achieve perfection. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I do my best, that God will be happy with me. And if I can reach the end of my day every day and be happy with the work that I've done, then I know that God is happy with me too. Mm-hmm. And if I, mm-hmm. my, um, you know, as, as I went through the coaching process, I discovered that my underlying core purpose is to inspire joy by awakening worth. And if mm. I can look, you know, every day, if I can look back on my life and say, did I inspire joy today in somehow, you know, with some person or something that I did, then that's all I need. You know, I don't have mm. to, um, you know, have huge success. I can just be me. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go, um, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? 
well, another personal story. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love well, those. Just, yeah, just because, again, I think it's the things that I've learned and I would like yeah. to just impart some things, especially to the to the women who are, you know, maybe coming behind me a few years and still in the family mode, you know, whether you've got young children or teenagers or college kids, um, you know, just some things to think about. But when my children were growing up, I was, again, blessed to be a stay-at-home mom for 24 years. And I poured my life into my family, into my community, trying to be a super mom and a super wife and a super volunteer. Every night I had dinner on the table at precisely 6.30. Um, you know, we... <laughs> Uh, probably probably wasn't in a very good mood some of those times, but I did it because I thought that was what <laughs> I was supposed to do. Um, right. I made right. these, you know, back then, heaven forbid, I, I made these elaborate, um, you know, painted T-shirts that I made my kids wear. And we laugh about that today when we look at the pictures. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, everything we had these uh, picture-perfect Christmas cards mm -hmm. that didn't show how snippy I had been with my kids to try to get them to sit in place and smile for the Christmas card, mm -hmm. um, you know, but it was beautiful, these beautiful Christmas cards and all these things that I did and, you know, was, was a school mom and, you know, school board member and all these things. And a few years ago, I asked my grown children, my kids are all in their 30s now, and I asked them, what was it about your years growing up in our family that made you who you are today? Because I think I have mm. some pretty amazing kids. And not one of them said it was because of um, having dinner on the table every night at 6.30 or, you know, our beautiful cards, the perfect home that we had. Um, you know, we didn't, they didn't talk about their school projects. All that work that I had done to be a, you know, perfect mom didn't seem to make that great of an impression on them. But their answers were very consistent. And they had four things that they all agreed on. And I sent them in an email. And so they all sent them back individually and they didn't collaborate. So uh, what they said must be true. Um, the first thing they all said was that we had a strong faith foundation in our home and that Jesus was the center of our lives. And the second thing was that they had um, unconditional, we all had unconditional love, you know, for one mm. another. And my son said, I used to be grossed out when dad would come home and give you a kiss first thing, you know, when he got home mm -hmm. um, in, you know, at night, but that made a huge impression on me. And so now he's married and he knows how to treat his wife. Oh. Uh, the third thing is that we had respect for one another. There was always a pecking order and the parents, um, you know, were always above the kids. We had boundaries mm -hmm. and we uh, gave them direction and a lot of guidance and, um, the, the last thing was that we were all, my husband and I were always involved in their activities and, um, you know, always showed an interest in what they were doing. And we didn't just take them somewhere and drop one of them off. We made an, uh, a huge effort to always be present for them. So mm. I'd been an overachiever all those years and no one even noticed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had wasted a lot of time trying to be perfect. And, you know, all we needed to do was just live out our values. And I think, mm. you know, bottom line, just be who you are. And know that that is enough. And, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be afraid of, you know, disappointing someone or failing. And you don't have to be ashamed of something that may have happened in the past. It's just really important to be who you are. And God's light will come through that. And it will impact people in ways that you never know. Hmm. We're glad you joined us for this conversation with Susan about the lies we believe and how to quiet the fear that can overtake our lives. 
For more information about this episode, check out the sh- episode's show notes on our website, forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash podcast. If you're listening somewhere other than our website, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We appreciate any feedback that we get and always want to make sure that we're featuring the topics that you are interested in hearing about. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.